Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Hello. Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo. What's going on? I hope you are well and enjoying this new week, staying strong in the mind and the body, keeping that vision of what you want to create for your future close to your heart and clear in your mind. (laughs) So I'm very excited to talk about this topic tonight. The reason I chose to talk about forgiveness is actually because one of the listeners had reached out and had a question. You know, they're struggling. I don't share people's personal information or names or anything like that, but I thought that this would be very helpful for all of us because forgiveness is something that I think we all have to have a closer look at. So that's what we're going to dive into tonight. What I'm going to do is just read you his question and then we'll we'll get started. Okay, so I'm just going to call him Paul. Okay, so Paul reached out and here's what he had said. I recently found out that my wife had an affair. I'm contemplating leaving because I just don't think I have the strength to stay. She's very remorseful and wants to work things out, but I can't seem to forgive her or get the vision out of my head for what she has done, not only to me, but to our two children. Any suggestions would be helpful. Thanks. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about forgiveness, a learned rather than innate behavior, right? It's not something that comes naturally to us. We really need to be taught how to practice it. So what exactly is forgiveness? This is something that we give in return for a sincere apology and a promise to never do it again? Or is it something more complex? We are about to find out. Forgiveness is best defined as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or even a group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they deserve your forgiveness. And I know that's quite a mouthful. To put it more simply, it's just to stop feeling angry and resentful towards someone who has harmed you. So really, forgiveness is, it's an intentional and voluntary process through which the injured party, you, overcomes these negative emotions such as anger and vengeance. And we replace them with peace. It's not simply forgetting about what they've done or making up with a person who has done you wrong. In truth, really, forgiveness can be seen as a self-serving act, a way to reestablish that uh, emotional equilibrium and maybe bring stability and normalcy back to our own life. And that's very important. And we can say that the most common occasion when 
When we need to find forgiveness is when we suffer a broken trust, right? A betrayal caused by someone whom we placed our trust in. And trust itself is, it's an essential part of any relationship, be it romantic or business or even friendly. You know, it forms the core basis of the kind of communications and and the interactions that take place between the people, you know, involved and ones broken, it can lead to some serious dilemmas. And then the only real solution in in most of these cases is to forgive and move on. But it's really not going to be that easy, is it? So before we jump into the discussion about broken trust and the essential role that forgiveness really has to play in offsetting its its negative effects, I think it would be useful to also talk about trust in general, what it means, how is it built and rebuilt, and the consequences that follow it being broken. Broken trust isn't just about lying or cheating. It can take many forms. For example, let's say a business partner or a work colleague's repeated patterns of laziness, right? Or not completing their share or missing those deadlines. This can cause a gradual decline in trust, right? You're not going to end up relying on that person because they've shown already that they're not trustworthy. Likewise, in romantic relationships, Trust isn't only lost when a partner does something deceitful like cheat, but also if there's a pattern of emotional neglect, such as withholding affection or flirting or something as simple as not doing their shared chores or being careless with shared resources. They're all great examples of how we can lose trust. Similarly, a friend can lose your trust. Same thing, repeated patterns that maybe show disrespect, showing up late, only calling when they need something, being uninterested in your problems while you attentively listen to theirs, right? Such patterns can really damage trust and really engender a sense of betrayal. They can also erode a person's self-confidence, right? By making them feel that they're not worthy of the respect that they would really expect if the relationship was more stable or more equal. Okay. So how do we really deal with broken trust? How do we rebuild relationships so that they're more equitable, more evenly based on, on that shared trust and mutual respect? Strong relationships can only be built on these core values where both parties take responsibility for really ensuring that they're contributing their fair share, right? And not having to either maybe police their partner's input or have to have their own input policed by their partner. Strong, sturdy relationships can be built on kindness, on always being, you know, aware and taking care of your partner's needs. And in turn, feeling that you're cared for, right? 
To this end, we need to keep three main principles in mind. Number one is honesty is key, right? And this applies to both formal and informal relationships. Exaggeration, casual deceit, or self-aggrandizement. These can all be detrimental to building and maintaining trust. Number two is setting healthy boundaries. We really don't need to know everything. And we certainly should be worried if someone needs access to our passwords, our phone passcode, or even our social media logins. The truth is, if someone's going to betray you, they're going to betray you. And that mutual trust can never be built on unfounded suspicions. If you tend towards, say, envy or jealousy, you're going to find it very difficult to give or receive trust. And also really be aware of the symptoms of that controlling behavior, such as interrogating your partner for maybe attending a social event that she or he went to alone, or even friendships with people that you don't like. That's not your problem, but you can easily make it your problem if you're not careful. Number three is forgive and accept forgiveness for those maybe small mistakes and the minor transgressions. We are all human, but also understand that only a fool makes the same mistake repeatedly while expecting a better outcome. And a good example might be of this whole toilet seat (laughs) up and down debate, which has really haunted relationships for as long as we have had indoor plumbing, right? (laughs) Make an agreement and live it. My preference is to agree to leave it how you found it, right? It works for me. Another example is this time we're going to, this will be a work setting, right? Maybe not cleaning up after yourself in the lunchroom. This happens all the time. But everybody works for the company. Nobody is here to be your personal servant. Even YouTube boss person <laughs> lead, always lead by example. Similarly, if, if you're with someone, right, who might have less experience than you forming relationships that are based on mutual respect and trust, or maybe who has had their trust betrayed, you want to help them, right? Again, setting an example is always best rather than getting triggered when you explain. Remember the core rule of not offering unsolicited advice, right? Or critiques or suggestions, but also to just be aware that if you are equal partners, this mentorship can only go on for so long. Ultimately, people need to fix themselves. And this applies to you too. Your current partner, friend, or colleague is not the same person who betrayed you. So don't make them suffer for the sins of another. It's a horrible experience. I've experienced it. 
if you continue to do that, you're going to find yourself without them. Patience is a virtue, but it's not limitless. So let's dig in a little deeper to find out what really constitutes a true betrayal. Unsanctioned sexual infidelity, cheating, financial malfeasance, ignoring you in a time of need, right? These are all good examples of those deadly sins, whether it's in romantic, professional, or platonic relationships. I think another key element is the intention, really, of the offender, as well as the number of incidents. You know, long-term extramarital affair is different from maybe a one-off drunken fling, as is a casual maybe relationship with the truths of, say, an expense account. That's very different from someone who has, as my (laughs) British and Irish friends say, might say, cooked the books (laughs) to alter the facts or figures dishonestly or illegally in order to steal, right? It could be a friend who never invites you to their home, but is always welcomed at yours. All of this requires calm judgment. Don't make decisions about the other person's intentions until you've really talked and thought it through. Don't make swinging verdicts while you're maybe angry or sad or even hungry or tired. (laughs) I don't recommend that. In many cases, portrayals, they're really often followed by long periods of resentment and that grudge keeping, right? Now, as much as this is a normal and natural human reaction, it's very damaging and mostly to the person holding the grudge, but also to the betrayer and the relationship. So not being able to let go of a grudge will almost certainly be detrimental to the relationship. It's the beginning of both a slow and painful death, a sexless marriage, a surly professional relationship or a snarky friendship. But, my friends... We do have choices. (laughs) The first is the gut instinct reaction described above. Spend the rest of our life hating that person and, and maybe trying to get back to them, that revenge. But this option, though it is overwhelmingly popular, is the wrong one, right? Instead, we can be more purposeful, more intentional. Firstly, we must acknowledge that we've been wronged, right? Take some mental notes. And this can help protect us from future similar situations. And then simply just let the negativity go. This is commonly called 
forgive, but don't forget. Though, allowing that memory to fade away after a period of maybe stability is extremely advisable. Holding grudges is self-destructive. It fills us with toxicity. It denies us that mental peace and is actually damaging to our physical health. Not to mention the great emotional, financial, and social outcomes of, say, a divorce, a failed business or a career, or the loneliness of friendlessness. And the fallout of maybe family members, especially children, colleagues, business associates, clients, and customers, and the isolation from mutual friendships and long-standing social circles, right? Instead, try to focus on what might be possible. Reconciliation, healing, the regaining of self respect and self-confidence but we do need to reset the terms and the the conditions of the relationship the rules that govern it in the catholic church this is referred to as a limiting occasions of sin right so for example if say the betrayal was from a business partner we'll insist on greater transparency and on all the financial transactions being overseen by all with a vested interest and regularly reviewed by an outside party. If it was a marriage infidelity, the one who strayed must rebuild the trust, right? By ensuring that they're constantly going to monitor their actions so that the possibilities of further betrayals can be avoided, right? Going to a conference can turn into a family vacation. Bring them along. Attending a work social event, invite your partner, or maybe arrange to meet them afterwards for a date. Remember, this restructuring is not maintained as part of a grudge. It's a systematic reordering of the relationship to that offended party, constantly being reassured in a caring and thoughtful way without having to maybe continually have to reinforce the new rules. It's up to the betrayer to be constantly vigilant. If they accept that they've made a mistake and they're really willing to mend their ways, we should try and forgive them, right? And seek to find peace in this more ordered relationship. This can be more difficult but not impossible if there were a series of betrayals, right? But again, it's not up to the person who was betrayed to constantly be giving forgiveness. It's up to the betrayer to constantly be open to and accepting of forgiveness and understand that the rebuilding of trust will take time and it won't survive and repeat offenses. The likelihood of that pattern repeating is quite high, right? And if we're giving 100% to that relationship, 
We don't deserve such treatment. So if walking away is the only solution, know that it is a perfectly reasonable response. Likewise with your friendships. Once those boundaries are crossed or the trust is broken repeatedly, we can slowly distance ourselves from them. Forgive them for the hurt that they caused and just move on. No looking back. No trying to make it last. That is if we're the only one putting in the effort and we're the only one who keeps being wronged. And of course, no grudges either. Walk out with a clean heart. One of the most important benefits of having a forgiving heart is that we don't suffer because of our own poor reactions. It's a natural human tendency to make wrong decisions when we are overwhelmed with, say, emotions. We may, for example, decide to close the business if we're too angry with our with a business partner, leaving our workers and ourselves even jobless, or we decide to get a divorce, leaving our children fatherless. And the worst part is that many of these changes aren't exactly reversible, are they? So we may end up regretting our decisions later on. As you go through the process of forgiveness, it's very important to keep an eye on these other more negative outcomes. Roll that tape forward. What is your life going to be like after you make this decision? Additionally, having a forgiving heart can help us become more compassionate, kinder, and less selfish. And all these emotions feel so good. They feel so great, especially compared to the alternatives, that cynicism, the resentment, the bitterness, the exasperation. Negative emotions are a burden. Positive ones, they lift us up. And these states are so infectious, making us a better spouse, parent, colleague, and friend. And more generally, a more positive, happy presence in the world. The positive person can be the life of the room. The negative one, dull and boring. (laughs) But perhaps the most important aspect of having a forgiving and positive attitude personality, it means that we're going to find it much easier to forgive ourselves. At times, people find it more difficult to forgive themselves than to forgive other people, which really makes it very difficult for them to grow and learn from their past mistakes. And mistakes do happen, obviously. And indeed, they are essential to success. Every happy person that you know has had to learn how to avoid unhappiness. The people that we admire for their talents, they had to first be nothing but potential. They became great by making mistakes and learning how not to repeat them. But first, we really have to convince ourselves that the person that we wish to forgive 
really wants and deserves it. So if you are the transgressor, here are some elements of an apology and a request for forgiveness. And we're told a good confession involves involves these elements. Confession. Confession is not an explanation or a justification for transgression. We must really describe the injustice without justifications. The next is an apology. Apologies require accountability, regret, repentance. Even if we don't say I'm sorry, we must convey that we are sincerely regretful, remorseful, humiliated, guilty, and really disappointed in ourselves. The objective is to express regret for the offending deed. And note the other person's suffering. We have to exhibit empathy for the individuals we're requesting forgiveness from. Right? It also helps to articulate what they're feeling and enduring in a manner that says we comprehend their point of view and the emotional experience. And we might sympathize with them if we were in the same circumstances. You know, really putting yourself in the other person's shoes helps. Another one is valuing relationships forever. Resolving interpersonal difficulties is more essential to us than winning or being right, right? And we're prepared to sacrifice whatever is needed. The next one is compensation. We must explore whether anything can be done to make up for the injustice, but avoid suggesting restitution, you know, since individuals perceive and value love differently, then provide restitution or an equivalent solution. Promise not to repeat it. Promise not to hurt them again and ask for forgiveness. Can you forgive me for hurting you? But how do we reach a level where forgiveness becomes easy to give? How do we really nurture that, that mindset, right? And those essential values and the ideologies that make it easier for us to let go of our hurt and forgive someone, no matter how bad the hurt was or how deeply it's affected our life. Forgiving someone is an act that really requires a great depth of consciousness, of self-control and responsibility for our actions. And that's to say emotional maturity, right? Therefore, the, the ability to forgive is a reflection of how far you've grown in life, right? And what we've become as a person, it's not something that can be achieved overnight. It takes a while and it requires a lot of conscious effort, sincere intentions and, and the drive to become a better version of ourselves. This will naturally lead us to this. While a similar well-nurtured sense of self-preservation will ensure that we uncynically keep and maintain a, 
a kind but cautious awareness of the possibilities in, in all aspects of life that hurt us, especially those we love. So we're almost there. Okay, let's just talk about the, the practical steps necessary to move from that grudge state to a forgiving state, right? And these we're going to refer to as the golden elements of forgiveness. <laughs> the first element that we have on our list is identification. We'll need to begin by identifying what part of us needs healing. You know, the people who need to be forgiven. And the reasons or events that caused the trust to be broken in the first place. Only once we have these basics figured out, can we move on. So we should really take the time and think. I always suggest journaling. Write down all of these things and gather your thoughts in one place. Because this is what makes you feel more in charge, right? Element number two is considering. And there's a lot that needs to be taken into account, right? Important things that we need to consider. We need to understand the extent of the damage caused by that broken trust. Do we think we can really overcome the negativity on our own? Or should we seek outside help or go to a support group or a counselor? The third factor is acknowledgement. It's incredibly important that we acknowledge our emotions. Right? This is what will help us to get better. And it will give us the courage needed to work on releasing these emotions in, in a more healthy way, putting it off, suppressing it, ignoring it can help us feel better in the short run, but we're going to have to deal with it sometime. So it's always a good idea to sort through these things in your mind and make sure that we're always at peace with ourselves. And that the mind and the heart are really in harmony with one another. And these are just small things that many of us might not even pay any attention to. But they can really prove to be miraculous for our mental health, for our physical health. And it can make us feel better and more positive if dealt with correctly. The last key element is getting back in charge, right? We're going to need to explain to ourselves that we need to regain control of our life. We really need to stop playing the injured person, the, the wounded one, and really make sure that the person who offended us no longer dictates our energy, you know, how we wake up in the morning or, you know, deciding how motivated we're going to feel throughout the day. It's easy for us to fall and, and let others affect us, right? To the point where we might stop enjoying the things that we used to love to do before. And when this starts to happen, the situation gets even messier. And that's when we really know things are getting bad. 
and without restoring our power, we're never really truly forgiving the person who caused the hurt. So in short, what we're going to need to understand is that developing a forgiving heart will be a gradual process, more like a journey, right? With each step leading to something greater. So as long as you keep the essentials in mind, we'll make the process over time and develop the habit of forgiveness. Additionally, we really need to keep in mind that if we stay determined and understand the significance developing a maybe a forgiving mindset has to bring to our own life, we'll eventually get there. And in the end, it's going to be so well worth the work. Okay, guys, sorry it was a little lengthy. I hope that you enjoyed the podcast and I hope that this helped some of you out there with some of the struggles that you might be experiencing now. Okay, thank you so much. I look forward to being here with you next week. Take care. 